hello, hello. I'm your host, Stephanie Martinez Rivera, and you are listening to the Joy Found Here podcast. I am obsessed with reminding my fellow mamas, queens, badass babes, ladies and girls that perfection is just a word, not a lifestyle. Multitasking is overrated. Comparison is a theft of happiness. And yes, you can put yourself first. Oh, and by the way, for optimum results, you should. I'm a New York girl from a small town, part-time badass, proud mama bear times three. I've seen 60 full turns of the sun. I've learned the importance of how kindness begins with you and your self-talk. Join us each week as we help you navigate both the messy and the magical season of this crazy ride called life. Real stories that remind us to reclaim your power. The sun does come out after the shitstorm. A good cry can be cleansing and... We really don't know who sits on top of the mountain of judgment. Sit back, plug in, fill up your cup. This is your time. Remember, you've always had the power. Welcome to Joy Found Here. Hello again. Welcome back to another episode of the Joy Found Here podcast. I have no idea where the hell 2023 went. Last Wasn't it? A year ago when we were just like, let's get out of COVID land. Let's, you know, give us that new year. A lot has happened. A lot has changed. And now is the time that we all might be sitting back, reflecting, taking some inventory, celebrate the wins and really sit back and think about everything you've accomplished. Go month by month. And if you get stuck, Ask your friends, because they're going to be the first one to tell you all the shit you did and everything that you conquered. And give yourself a big high five, because we are amazing. And more importantly, you can do this. So today, Janine Dorso, she is, and I love the title, a beliefologist. Okay, let's just take that in a minute. That could mean a lot of different things. I think mindset's going to be part of something, but I want to talk to her. I heard her. I'm part of a group, and everyone should listen to this podcast, the Kathy Heller podcast. I found her from another Facebook group who mentioned a quote that she said, I loved that. I go down a rabbit hole. Now I'm in the Kathy Heller quilt community, which I highly, highly recommend for anybody. And during one of those calls, Janine got picked on and chosen in the hot seat. And she told her story. And as she was still speaking, I am on my phone searching this girl out like, what in the world? She could be any one of us. So I needed to bring her voice to you. With that, I say thank you, thank you, Janine, for being here. I can't wait to dive in. Stephanie, thank you so, thank you so much for having me. Wow, I'm I want to hear what I'm going to say. <laughs> I want to hear our conversation. That was a great intro. That was fantastic. No, thank so you. So I always start with tell us about you anywhere you'd like to start. Oh gosh, yeah. Well, I will tell you my pivotal point, I guess. We don't have to go all the way back to like my beginnings. But most recently, um, when you talk about me being a beliefologist, the road to that was that I was in corporate for, I don't even want to say corporate, but yes, corporate. I was in an ad agency. Um, I was a creative director. I was in the agency world for 30 years. 
And that was my career. And it was great. Great career. Very successful. Loved what I was doing. I'm creative at heart. I went to art school, all of that. So I was leading creative teams, leading some agencies. And on paper, my life is amazing. Actually, even in real life, let me like not just say on paper, I have a great life. I felt very like I've checked the boxes, right? But I was really unhappy inside on a lot of levels and I it didn't compute. It was like, wait, but I have all the things I said I was going to go for. I have the career. I got married later in life, air quotes. When I was 40, I got married and I didn't have my child till I was 45. So everything happened late, but I, I was living my life the rest of the time and traveling and working and working and working and working and doing all the things and had great, great friends, all the above. But I was on that hamster wheel that everyone can kind of relate to at one point or another. And the drive was to just keep, when you add it to the plate, nothing came off. So I had my career full pedal to the metal, travel, all of the above, got married, still kept the same level of working, you know, the work ethic, had a baby, still all dials were at 11, like no dial was coming down. And at some point you think you can do it because you're told you can have it all. You're told you should have it. You should do this. You should do that. How you have to be a good wife, a great mother and have success, have the the house, the blah, 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 all the things. And I had it all. And I was dragging myself to work every day thinking, what is wrong with me? I'm miserable. I have everything. And then I had the guilt. I shouldn't complain. How could you want for more? How could you even question your life? It's so blessed, right? But I was miserable inside and then still working. And then we were dealing with our parents. All our The three of our living parents were all ill at the same time. And we mm. lost them 10 months apart from each other. In wow. a, yeah, in a very short mm. time. And so we're dealing with that. And so P.S., you just got to muddle through. You guys got to push through, right? And maybe you take a vacation. Maybe. I wasn't. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you might mm-hmm. to like relieve the pressure. But at some point, your body is just going to tell you the truth of what's really going on. And so I was working, working, working. And I had a cardiologist anyway because of a non-life-threatening heart issue. So I went to her and she put me on this blood pressure monitor for a couple of days, which was really fascinating. So I'm mm-hmm. in the height of work dealing with an ill parent, mother-in-law at the time, you know, my kid, it was a toddler of four or five. And yeah, the numbers don't lie. So I Mm. went to her four days after wearing this monitor and she looked at me and she said, you are going to have a stroke. And my dad died of a stroke. So I knew like, this is no joke. And my Mm mother-in-law had just had a stroke. So she said, you are going to have a stroke. And she looked at me so seriously. And she said, not five years from now, not a year from now, you need to leave my office and go change your life. And I was like, what? What? I mean, I cried all the way back to my office, called my husband. Oh my gosh. Like this is the point. And I want to just focus on that for a moment. I get emotional thinking about it because for years and years, I was wishing something were different. How can I find the thing? What is it that I want to do? Why am I not happy? I have everything I'm supposed to have, should have, whatever, what aimed for, whatever you want to call it. So where is this huge disconnect? But I knew it was coming in some way, not that news, but you know, the breakdown is happening when I was like realizing I wasn't as in control of my emotions. I was negative. I was complaining. I was in the swirl. These are hints, right? I was like lash out sometimes and like, who is, what's that? You know? Mm -hmm. So there were definitely hints along the way. And then 
that news really, I mean, obviously just stopped me in my tracks. So just to finish that track for a second, I went back to my office and I handed in my resignation. Of course, my husband was like, you got to quit your job. They didn't let me quit, which was amazing. <laughs> they actually didn't let me quit. They put me on, I went on family leave, which was, I didn't mm-hmm. even know it was an option. So I did that for three months, but it took longer. It took six months to get my health under control. And during that time, I was like, what was it going to take? All those years of wishing, dreaming, hoping, and not really changing anything. Now this is my wake up call. Like, thank God I had the wake up call, right? But at the same time, we're waiting. We're waiting for the wake up call. I needed something to change externally, but not realizing that the internal time bomb was already ticking drastically. And so what are we waiting for is really the question. What was I waiting for? Thank God I went to the doctor. What if I didn't go? What would have happened? I don't know. But this was so pivotal. So on my time off from work, taking that leave, I was like, what am I going to do? I have to go back to work. This is my truth at the time. I have to go back to work. Cannot leave that job. How do I leave that job? You can't. You can't can't leave that job. That's ridiculous. But I thought I can't go back like this. I'll just be in the same way. So I decided to learn some new tools. I became a life coach so that I could bring those tools back to my job and like add that as part of my leadership, you know, like how do I lead from a different place, not just at work, but my whole life. And so that's what I did. I went back to work. I went to life coach school and then I went back to work. But during that time, I started coaching people on the side. Anyway, the pandemic had just started and I was coaching people for free. I was working in pharma advertising. So the job got that was even already heavy, got heavier. My mom had died a few months before. Mm. And so this was like this incredible storm. Yeah, completely. And thankfully I had these new tools to like help me manage all of it. Because if I didn't go and learn something different about how to manage my own life, I don't know what and where I would have been. Like even just losing my mom, like that would have been, we'd already lost my father-in-law and my mother-in-law. So then to lose my mom was just like, and then the pandemic, you know? So I have to say these tools like literally saved my life and my doctor's stern warning. But really, what are we waiting for is kind of the truth there. What are we waiting for? Also in that talk, when I first heard you, I believe one theme was, and I know Kathy Heller talks about it a lot, and that is the permission slip. Here's your permission slip too, because what are we waiting for? It Does it take that crippling act? Then it's a little harder. Yeah, of course you can do it, but it's a little harder to really dig out of the ash. Mm -hmm. And instead, when you have those voices and those taps, when your mind wanders, it's just, come on, this way, over, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, pay Mm -hmm. attention to me over to the right. It's Mm -hmm. not the shiny new, but it's that internal voice that we're so good at muting. Yeah, because I think that, and this is coming back to like, why do I call myself a bullyologist? Mm-hmm. Because in my years of coaching people and my years of mentoring people and my own knowing of how I was holding myself back for so long, it really comes down to what we believe, what we believe about our life, what we believe about ourselves, And we're operating on autopilot when it comes to that. So when I can look back and say, wow, what was I waiting for? Why was I waiting for this external something, right? Sometimes we're waiting to be fired from a job. 
So because mm-hmm. we're like, we're miserable, but I'm going to wait to be fired, you know, because we don't want to make that choice. Why don't we want to make the choice for ourselves? Where have we put ourselves on the list, right? We're not at the top when we're nope. just waiting. So what I realized in coaching many people over the years and looking back at my own path, it was really comes down to what are we believing about who we are, what is possible for us and what what we believe about our life. And we don't check in with that. We have gotten these messages about what is possible for us from the time we were kids, right? Don't do that, do this, or don't do it. We take it from our parents were our first teachers and that, or mm-hmm. whoever raised us, whoever we were around mm-hmm. the most, we might hear something from a teacher. How many times have you heard, well, my teacher in fifth grade said this. And right. so we just take on these beliefs as truth and we don't check in and we don't kind of like unpack that bag and be like, which ones do I want to keep and which ones do I want to toss? Which ones have been serving me and which ones have not been serving me? Until I did that work, I was never thinking about what I was thinking about. And mm. you really have to because it's shaping your life. All those years that I was dragging myself to work, it wasn't really all about the work. It was about my own inability to see something different for me. I was like, well, this was the pinnacle. This was it. How could I want anything different? I didn't even think I deserved it. And almost on some level, it felt like, oh, I don't even know how I got here, so to speak. You know what I mean? And so you're like, they well, let me in and they, and they, right. and they wouldn't let me resign. Like what the hell? They don't want to get rid of me. Really? I'm not even here. Yeah. It's so interesting. Right. And then you tell yourself these stories about like, my, like I said before, my, one of my stories was I could never leave mm. my job. Look how far I've come. And you know, that was not an easy decision. That took me a couple of honestly years of doing the work to like unravel certain beliefs, but there were other beliefs tied into that. It wasn't just that. So it was how I was seeing myself how I was seeing my place in the world, how I was seeing my own path. And I realized that even as a child or a young adult, I would say, or even beginning my career, I surpassed what I thought was my max years ago Mm. because the limit was so low because I didn't know any better. And I'm one of 12 kids. I'm the 11th of 12 kids. Wow. Okay. That's an episode in itself, especially being the 11th of 12. Okay. Yeah. Tune in right. Yeah, we'll come back for that for one. More. <laughs> back for that one. Oh, wow. the, uh, so yeah, so I was, um, I was seeing a lot of firsthand life experience playing mm-hmm. out with my older siblings, how they got jobs, how they went for careers, what school they went to, who they became. And like, I was the creative one, I'm the artistic one, but that also came at, I mean, how many of us grew up with these labels, right? But that also came at a price because who else was in the room? My brother was the writer. This mm-hmm. one was the professor. So one story that I had to really unpack was that I believed I wasn't a good writer. And mostly, going back to something we hear from somebody important to us, I, in college, I wrote, a, I wrote a paper to create a writing class and my father asked to look, look at it. Now, I don't know why he asked to look at that particular paper, but I must have shared something personal. I don't even remember what it was, but I shared something personal. And my father, this is old school Sicilian, he was like, you don't share personal mm. stuff. Like who else? Mm. You just do not. Like you just mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. put on the good face like for the outside yep. world. And you don't. And it wasn't scandalous by any stretch. But I remember him saying to me, and I don't know if these were the exact words, but this was the message I received. Don't write like that. Ah. Don't, write, don't share like that anymore. I love and my that, was, that, was, his not, and that, that was, was his stuff. And that was, that was. 
his parents and his grandparents, you know, like it was, Mm -hmm. we're all products of what they had to give us at their time. Exactly. At their time. Just as you are with your children. I have three, put them in a room. They would say they were all raised really differently. My mm-hmm. two girls are seven and 10 years older than my wonderful Sylvanir son, mm-hmm. who, you know, was a God's gift for sure. Mm-hmm. Very different. Right. We were different. Yeah, 100%. 100%. We say the same in our family too. So yeah, that was my dad's stuff. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But when you don't know that, when you're mm-hmm. 18 years old or whatever, right. and somebody important to you says something, yep. you take it on. And I held on to it until about four years ago, <laughs> until about four or five years ago. Literally, I was like, I'm not the writer. I'm not a good writer. And then I think back, how did that affect me? Even mm-hmm. in my successful career, it just took right. me longer to write things because I'm like, oh, this is probably isn't good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. You, it would take me just longer to do it. And then you have to just using that as an, as an example of what I had to go through and what I help my clients go through is we unpack those things. Where did that come from? Is that true? We now have to question it and unravel it and say, is that even true? How do we know? What is a good writer? How will we know? Who said, who, where did it come from? Right. And that's right. You know, acknowledging it's their stuff, like you just said. Mm-hmm. And then we question it for ourselves. Do you believe mm-hmm. that? Is that serving you? How do we know that's true? What is a good writer? Who says? <laughs> Who says? Right. Really? Right. Again, your life is anybody's life. And yeah. when you get the courage to start to question and unpack and start on the journey, start on mm-hmm. the the next version, the 4.0, Janine mm-hmm. 4.0, which mm-hmm. is obviously a new person. I want to say sometimes you might appear as a stranger to those who know you as. Yeah. Oh, let's talk about that for a minute. Because I think a lot of people, when they do this work, right, mm-hmm. and they shed these beliefs that have been holding them back, I almost want to say it's like honing. You know what I mean? It's like polishing and re- revealing parts of yourself that have been buried under this brick wall of these limiting beliefs that are either your own or they you took from someone else. You know, you just took them on as your own because someone around you said it. I took on the belief that I was not a good writer among a th- million other limiting beliefs, right? I'm just going to pick that one. I took that on as truth because someone important to me said it to me. It must mm-hmm. be true. But when I can look at it, so maybe that one doesn't change my personality really, but I can share differently now that I think I'm, I don't think I'm not a good writer, right? I think I'm actually... Okay. And who says I'm just being me. So if Mm -hmm. I reveal my own personality, when I can work with clients to shed their limiting beliefs, to just reveal their truer self, yes, it shifts the way you show up in the world, which might shift the dance you've been in with the people who are closest to you. So it's like, you've been waltzing with this person, right? Even with my relationship with my dad or anyone close to me since then, like when I've been doing some of this big change in the last couple of years, I would have to reveal more of me, right? Mm-hmm. I've left my job now. I have believed new things about myself. I've shown up a different way in the world. And that shifts the dance steps I've been doing with people. And some are going to like that and they're going to shift their dance steps too. And some are not because they needed me to be a certain way for them. Correct. And for that them. really for them, for their mm-hmm. needs. So now it's like, oh, it's just interesting, right? And it's interesting. You have to kind of go with that flow a little bit and then you can decide what do I want? 
Now the clarity is on me versus being the people pleaser who is going to contort into whoever that other person needs me to be. And I went through that too. A friend Mm -hmm. of mine used to call me a chameleon because of the relationships I was in. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh my, and I, at first she said it like kind of off handedly. And then I was like, oh my gosh, wow. I realized, you know, so much hindsight, right? But you're like, wow, okay. I really was Mm -hmm. changing myself to fit someone else's situation so many times. And we do that because we feel like that makes us likable. What are we getting in return for that? Of course. What's that dopamine hit, right? What's that? I want to say, is it a simple message? It's as simple as it's complex to the thickest onion known to mankind. And that is, it's all about me. It's Mm -hmm. all about us. Mm -hmm. And when you do come home to you, scary, not always rainbows and unicorns. However, the gift that is waiting at the end, during, I should say, not you never hit the apex, you don't. Exactly. Everything that you get to see along the way. It's definitely work, and you've referred to it, obviously, as work Mm -hmm. throughout, Mm -hmm. because it is, because Mm -hmm. it's a lot of questioning. And then when you start to, I think, question yourself, who said that, why do I think that, and what makes that true? It doesn't have to be. Yeah. When I talk about it with my clients, I talk about it as like digging, like we have Mm. to uncover a gem. What's the gem in all of it? So, so I want to say a couple of things. We don't want to use our past against ourselves. Mm-hmm. We never want to do that. We want to have like loving kindness for who we are and where we've been and the decisions we had to make at the time. And even going back to like my father, I have a different awareness of his, knowing that was his Correct. story, mm-hmm. right? That I accepted as truth. Now that I know differently, I can have like loving compassion for myself at that the time. The compassion comes, yes. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. I don't have to, I don't, some people get angry, like, mm-hmm. of course, because you're like, wait a minute, I was believing that my whole life. Why didn't I know that sooner? But when we can like really love on ourselves in that time, because that's still me, that 18 year old is still me. Do you see what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So I have to love on the fact that, of course, I believed my father. Of course, mm-hmm. I did. It was my dad. Of course, I took that as truth. I didn't know any differently. And now I do. And therefore, I will do differently now, but I could see that that was my father putting his stuff from his experience out into the world. Of course, he thought that when he read that paper for whatever reason, of course, he said that thing like, I can have this acceptance Mm -hmm. for my past. And I help people have that acceptance for the things that have happened so that they can release that anchor. That anchor is holding us back from the truer self. But before I have too many metaphors, but <laughs> with my people, but I was never enough we're... here, my friend, never <laughs> enough here talking to a gold medalist. Go it. on. Well, <laughs> speaking of gold, I talk about it as like digging through the dirt. So I want to have fun with it too. Like, it, yes, it's work, but it doesn't always have to feel so heavy because we celebrate when we discover another limiting belief of ours. It's like we're going on a gold digging expedition. So we Mm. get excited. And with my clients, we celebrate it. We're like, oh, this thing that was holding me back. And we would tend to like beat ourselves up with it. And I say, "Uh uh-uh, this is amazing. You just revealed another little nugget in the ground. We are getting that much closer to your gold that's inside you, the gold. There's gold Mm. in there. We need to uncover it. 
Let's go. Roll up those sleeves. Let's do it. Let's dig. Let's do it. We make it fun. And it's exciting because the minute you can be more you, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And whoever is willing to come for the ride comes. They come because they want more of you. They didn't want that people pleaser. Who am I going to please right now? It's me. That's who I'm going to please. And by pleasing me first, guess who else gets the benefit of that? Is the people around me because I can love them differently. And then it's so freeing. So I love I it. love I, I love the gold <laughs> within everybody. You don't think about it that way. And when it starts in that respect, it's here, it's here. Is it right there on the surface? That would be too easy. Come on. We wouldn't be on the journey. We wouldn't be down this path. We wouldn't have turned off the road if it was that easy. If the GPS really told us which way to go. Sometimes it's on a little delay. A little reroute. A little reroute, recalculating. My, recalculating. My, my, I never listen to mine. I have a trust issue with mine, and it's a constant. And I so swear, funny. sometimes uh, you know, I hear it. I hear her just sigh. So she'll be like, recalculating. Like this bitch really knows where she's going. We're going to show her now, aren't we? <laughs> Hilarious! Oh my gosh, so funny. So you did a workshop, and your graphic on the reel was very clever. Because if you didn't read it close enough, it's the title of it was Shit Happens, but it's actually Shift. Yes. But you couldn't really see the F. I like that. <laughs> but I like the Shit Happens. Uh, it's all in how you look at it. And that's, you know, again, another common thread here that I've been a long time believer in, you know, you're, you're knee deep in it. Mm-hmm. And it's sucking as it's happening, I always do two things that, gosh, there better be a good lesson from here. This is, I'm going to learn something and maybe it'll be a funny story one day. But (laughs) while you're in the thick of it and just calling your last ounce of energy in, but yet knowing that you do have the power, you do. I'm so glad you just said that because I, I literally wrote it down before, right before our call, because it's something that I say to my clients all the time. You are so powerful. We forget that. I forgot that for years. I didn't even know that for years. And the shift that you're talking about, a shift happens, right? But the whole point of that workshop and the basis of my program that I have developed this methodology called the beliefology method, the first step of that is shift. How do we shift? what we're doing. How do we shift how we've been thinking? We have to become aware first of what we're thinking. So I teach people how to tap in. And then how do you shift how you've been seeing and experiencing your own life? And so another shift that I focus on as a thread through everything is reaction to creation, because we spend most of our life in reaction mode. Well, we're well-versed, right? Overwhelm, Mm -hmm. stress, Mm -hmm. drama, self-doubt, the way we talk to us, that we're reacting to the world always. But if you think of that word reaction and you take the C and you put it at the beginning of the word, just one shift, it changes it to creation. And that shift alone is so powerful because that's a mode. Those are two modes. And this is one of the things that I have developed into my program. How do we know when we're in reaction mode? And how do I know when I'm in, how do I shift it into creation mode? 
when we're in reaction mode, it feels like a tsunami is coming our way, right? It's here it is, it's coming. It's overwhelmed with stress, it's frustration, it's failure. It's all these things. Well, failure is a word I don't really use, but you know what I'm saying? So it's all of the things coming at us as if we are powerless, but when we can realize the power that we have, we can shift that into creation mode, which pushes things outward. It ripples out from us. And that puts us in that place of power. That is where no matter what is coming our way, when we can center there and ripple out and make the shift, when I know I'm in reaction mode, when I'm feeling a certain way, this is what I teach in my program to just know when you're in it, because oftentimes we're just letting it happen and going and going and going and getting exhausted. When we know we're in it, we have tools to apply to say, oh, I got to just shift. I know I have to shift into creation mode. Where, how can I do that? Because when I can do that, and this, you know, they'll know how to do it, is to shift yourself into that mode, which is a little bit of a, a little tiny process. And then when we go into that mode, that's where you see the solutions for whatever mm-hmm. those issues were that were coming your way. Now you're in a place of proactivity, of creation. You're in your power, not powerless. And that's where like ease and flow and solution and decisions and clarity, all of that comes from that shift. So when you say that shift, yes, when you're in it, you can't see it sometimes, but you can recognize when you're in it Mm -hmm. and the awareness of knowing, oh, here's where I am. How can I now look for the thing versus letting it all happen and take us over? How can I'm aware? I teach people how to be aware of it. And then when you're aware of it, you can be intentional about Mm. moving into creation mode. And that looks different for every situation, but you have the recipe to know how to do that. And then whatever that situation is that you've been reacting to, you have a very different approach when you're coming at it, not from a reaction mode, but from a creation mode. Is one of the first, I'll say, steps in that as you're, and and extremely visual as you're Mm -hmm. speaking, I see Mm -hmm. it very, very clearly is one of the steps, just take a breath, just stop, take a breath, Mm -hmm. maybe create a little disconnect distance of move the sea, move the sea. And then then that's what's going on in my head. And Mm -hmm. then instead of shouting, move the sea, like, oh, let's move the sea over here. Yeah. And you have to be aware, right? So you have to be aware. So just to dip the toe in a little bit, the beliefology method is a methodology that I created. I teach it in my program that's launching. I'm in beta testing it now with a wonderful, amazing group. I love what's happening in that group. I'm launching it in December. We're going to do the next one in January. But the four steps there are shift, believe, create, receive. That's the overarching arc. Mm. Shift comes first. Then we have to believe new things. We have to. We, we dismantle them in the shift, right? We look at them differently. We ask the question them. I identify and question them. That's happens under shift. Believe is how do I create new beliefs about my life? I, I don't believe right now. And you can't do that until you shift things, right? You can't do that until you do step one. Then we create the action plan, the uh, dream storm. There's a whole lot in there. It's so fun. The fun and part. Fun part. And then we talk, we, then we end on learning how to receive it all. But my point was that, yes, the step one, in moving that shift Mm -hmm. to create the word creation is to take a step back, is to understand, like have your own back, which we don't often know how to do. Nobody Mm. teaches us how to do this. Mm. Have our own back and pause for a moment 
not just breathing, yes, because we have to regulate, we have to self-regulate, but then we have this awareness about what am I reacting to? We learn how to question it in the moment. That is step one. That is the shift. We learn how to question, what am I reacting to? Why is this hitting me? So Mm. yeah, Mm -hmm. why Mm -hmm. am I feeling? We pay a, a real close attention to not just what's happening, but how we're feeling. We get a lot of our clues from how we're actually the sensations in our body. So our thoughts and feelings are working together all the time. Those are our beliefs, body and mind beliefs together because they're feeding off each other. That sensation might you might notice first before the real thought that's driving it. And those things are your beliefs. And those are the things that determine your actions. So before I'm going to take an action, I have to know what's happening in my mind and in my body. And so pausing to take the breath is so important because it kind of centers you back. And then you can go through more the of the steps, steps to really mm-hmm. say, Wait, wow, that's interesting. Where is that coming from? You're learning how to dig for the gem in that moment. What is the gem? What is it here? Where is the thing I can use to shift this from reaction to creation? And so when we have that understanding of ourselves versus just reacting to everything happening around us, we show very differently. So yeah, taking a pause is step one and also becoming aware of what it is. What, where am I feeling in my body? What are my thoughts attached to that feeling? That's what's driving mm. my action. So I'm going to stop and I'm going to see what that is. And then I'll know how to change it to creation mode and act from creation mode. We don't want to act from reaction mode. So I, I'm biting at the bit here. It is such a fun way and fun. I'll use the word loosely because it's not, again, it's not, they're not going to be always fun, happy days. There's going to be shit. I did this. Yeah, you could definitely forget your grace and like I let mm-hmm. this go on for so long, depending mm-hmm. upon where you are in your journey and at what time you decide me first. And as women, that's a big statement. What do you yeah. mean? Well, my kid, you know, my, my family, my well, well, a thousand excuses, me first. Yeah. It, it has to be. It has mm-hmm. to be us in order to give everyone around us, and you said it before, that we love and care about the best of us. Yeah. We're not used to that. We're trained the opposite, as you said. So we're trained. So of course, it's not easy. Of course. This feels really foreign, really foreign to us to put ourselves first. It goes against everything we were told and the Mm -hmm. way we were raised. It Mm -hmm. goes against all of that. And it's real easy to look back and say, oh my God, what could my life have been if I didn't know that? But there's no point in that. There's no service in that. There's no good that comes from that. Here's where we are. We don't argue with reality. We say, have grace for all the things we did before. And we say, now I know differently, so I shall do differently. And I do have to go first. I go first. So we talk a lot about selfishness. We talk about a lot. What does that even mean though? Like we kind of dismantle the word selfish. Like what does that even mean? Selfless, yes, yes. Selfful, yes. Selfful, Mm -hmm. selfless. I really like think, well, why don't I want less of myself? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right? We've been selfless means you're less of yourself. And I know I grew up in a family, Catholic family, church going. Mm -hmm. You had to be of service to other people. Always. Other people always came first. First, first first before you. You gave it all away. Completely. You don't keep it for yourself, money, time, you give it all away. That was the way I was raised. And so, yeah, it was a shift for me too, to like say, 
wait a minute, I'm going to have a stroke if I keep giving it all away. Where is my wake-up call? Here it is. Here we go. Let's unlearn the stuff that my parents did a great job with what they knew how to do. Love Mm -hmm. and adore. Now, and not not everybody has that either, right? Like there are situations where people are like, they don't want to love and adore that. But how can I, I don't have to like everything in my past. I just said this to my group yesterday. You don't have to like everything. How can we accept what it is and use our past to fuel our future? Where are the gems Mm. and what we've done and what we've experienced that we can now take with the new knowledge we have today and use that to fuel our future? Because when we hold on to all of that stuff, we are anchoring ourselves down. We're anchoring like in the boat. We can't move. We're just anchored and we stay there. Why do we stay there? Why do we keep revisiting that? Why do we keep convincing ourselves that that is the truth? There's another reason. What is that called? The secondary gain for not letting it go, not cutting the rope to the anchor. Why do we not cut the rope to the anchor? Here's an ax, here's a knife, whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We don't do it because that feels familiar to us. And there's a secondary gain because if I can stay there that I know this complaint, I know this beating of myself up, I know this limitation And I'm good at it too. And I'm really good at it. I'm good at it, yeah. Mm -hmm. Expert Mm -hmm. level. And mm-hmm. I don't let it go, even though I say I want to, even though I know I mm-hmm. should, because that means I have to go do the scary thing over here that I said I wanted to do. And I don't really know how to do that. And I don't know have the belief in myself yet. I don't know what to do with the big feelings that come up when I go do the scary thing. Another thing that I'm, we need a whole other podcast for is, you know, the phrase, everything you want is outside of your comfort zone, right? Mm-hmm. I actually like literally hate that phrase. Like I want to be, I hear it all the time. It's everywhere in every meme. I hate it. Here's why. No one teaches you how to survive the discomfort zone. And that's number one. And number two, there is nothing comfortable about the zone you're in. There's nothing comfortable about unrealized dreams. There's nothing comfortable about you not being yourself, about you contorting yourself to live up to other people's need for you to be, right? There's nothing comfortable about that. We're calling that our comfort zone. It's not. The comfort zone is a lie, in my opinion. The, it's just your known zone. It's just what you know. It's just what you've done. It's just what you're an expert at because you've been doing it all this time and you believe it to be true because you haven't challenged the beliefs that got you there. And so your heart wants something else. It's not comfortable. It's not, nothing comfortable about dragging yourself to work every day because you don't have the belief that anything else can be different. There's nothing comfortable about that. So going from here to here, from A to B, where you are to where you want, The whole space in between is the discomfort zone. And what is that? That's why we hold on to the past. It's why we hold on to the anchor because we don't know how to tread these waters that look scary. And so that is exactly what I teach also. Like, how do we manage that? How do we do that? How do we get over here? Because over here is your comfort zone, over here. Not where you are now. That's nothing comfortable about that. But when you can know how to have your back through these waters, when you can know how to manage your feelings and sh- and shift your old beliefs and create new ones and manage all the sensations that come up in your body and you move more into yourself and you dig on that gold and you reveal your own gems, like that's the comfort zone, right? And it's over here. And it's like a way of being. It's not even a place, a way of being. It's like when you can do that, like this is a whole other class. Go I, on. I, yeah. Yeah. I, please. Like it's a whole thing I'm going to like unleash soon because I really Excellent. can't stand this yeah. message of like everything you want up. Well, nobody wants to leave their comfort zone, but guess what? It's not comfort. This is just you 
living in your past belief about yourself. Mm. So when we can believe new things, we go new places and it's not comfortable. Like you said, it's not always rosy. It's like, we're going to have to tend to ourselves in this journey. How do I do that? How do I do it when I just want to run back to the start where I was before? Right. Now that feels scary. I took a step off the island and I'm terrified. How do, what, what do you mean I have to go all the way over there? <laughs> I don't want to do so, that. Right. And it's so funny what I'm hearing from you and what I've been on this learning journey, um, shifting from my nine to five to some digital marketing. And it's something I've never known how to do. I'm a consumer of it, but I just always, I'm like, huh, I think I want to do that side of it. And when you fear, unknown, fail, I'm going to use it mm-hmm. because we don't know how. Why would we stop learning? Mm-hmm. Why did we plateau? It's never too late. It never stops. But yet we decide, I'm good here. I'm just going to yes. take my view, look at all, you know, let me look out on the vista. Oh, wow, that yeah, that looks good. Oh, but I don't know how yeah. to do it. Mm-hmm. So then I guess mm-hmm. I won't. And and right. this level of all or nothing, the if I don't walk on the first try, I'm never right. going to walk. Right. If I can't ride my bike on the first time, I'm never going to ride a bike. If I can't yeah. speak correctly and pronounce my word, I'm never like it's not all or nothing. Get a little drop down menu with or and I love that. a little more practice. Yeah. Yes, is a great word. Yeah, I don't know it yet. Oh my goodness. I'm a big proponent. And when you were talking earlier about listening to what people say and how they say it, I find it really interesting. I'm a very good listener and how they put their sentences like, oh, well, I can do this. And then here comes the butt. And I already know the butt is coming just from the tone. I can do this, but I say, okay, put your period here. I can do this. Period. Move your punctuation mark. Go. Move it. Make now, what did shift. you say? Make, <laughs> Love it. And, and yep. move the period. As a matter of mm-hmm. fact, that was almost going to be the time. Move the period, but yes. it was hard to explain. Right. But move the period because you make your declaration and then you mm-hmm. rationalize why not. Mm-hmm. No one's mm-hmm. asking you for the argument. Right. Say what you're going to say. Put your period. I love that. No one's asking for your argument. Only you are, right? Only like you are. We, right. Oh my God. So good. So good. And Only I think that are. we forget to allow, especially like when we're not children anymore, right? We think mm-hmm. we should know certain things. Mm-hmm. We don't allow ourselves to be a beginner, even when we really are. And so like starting something new, being even a mm-hmm. new mom, new grand, and especially as a new parent, when you haven't done that before and you, and you tend to like judge yourself really harshly and, um, you know, so much guilt involved and all that stuff. But when we can really allow ourselves to be a beginner, but I think mm-hmm. raising kids, like you're kind of always a beginner because like every stage is so new. Every, every like, stage, ah, like again, and I always say, for the rest of your life. welcome to version 4.0 because exactly. like, oh, now he's doing this. Uh-huh, uh-huh. uh-huh. Yep, next version, yep. congratulations. So, you're on the next level of the game, exactly, the game called exactly. life. Thanks for you're, playing, guys. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> As an adult, you're trying to do new things for yourself. Like we just forget that we can allow mm-hmm. ourselves to be a beginner. And then mm-hmm. shifting what, what we think failure is, is just data. Like that's a, sh- a big shift because I was always afraid of failure. It kept me stuck for years and years and years. And if you're just like, oh no, it's actually, we don't use the word. When I say we don't use the word, because we don't 
and use that word here in my house. I, I have a 10 year old and I want her to see like, make more mistakes, make more yep. mistakes because that means you're doing. And also it's just information. It's data. There's no fail and there's just information. So how can we do that in no matter what we're doing? And it frees you up to think it's all or nothing that I have to like get yeah. it right or it's wrong. It's like, no, oh. there's a whole world in between. And yeah. that's a really grace. Let's talk about having grace for yourself. Like that's a really good way to have it when you can just even shift how you talk about what failure is and that it's data and information and learning. And it could just be having the grace for yourself. And then you decide what you want to do with that information. It simplifies it, really takes it, that pressure it, off. For what reason? Like, you know, right. again, where I'll be beating the clock only in our heads. Yeah. Only in our heads. Right. But if we're doing that, to get that crap out and put some new beliefs in there. Like mm-hmm. just use it for what it can be and all the great things that we were meant for. Absolutely. More of that, please. More of, <laughs> more that. of that. Yes. And I will also say more of you, please, in 2024, because there's definitely another episode, my oh. friend. When the course comes, I can keep talking. I want to be very respectful of your time. Yeah. Of course, they're going to be like, when is she coming back? And I will <laughs> make sure it again. It, yeah. I will make sure it happens. But this has been awesome. such a delight. Thank you so much for a lot of shifts. I think a lot of good visual potential. Everybody kind of just hit this one, play it back a few times, different points are going to sit you back, share it, share this episode, you know, you're going to know people who might need to hear it. And what better time, any day is always a good day to start. Anyway, I don't care what the calendar tells you, I don't care what day of the week it is. Any day is a great day to start. It just so happens that It is that time of year that we do sit back and reflect. So treat yourself. Start digging for the gold. Start digging for Mm -hmm. that next version because it is there. Oh, my goodness. I could talk to you all day. This is fun. I know. I know. (laughs) Okay. Tell us where we're going to find you. Website, courses. Hit me. Sure, sure, sure. So my website is janinedurso.com. And my Instagram, you'll find me at Janine Durso underscore beliefologist. We are launching the beliefology method. Well, we're launching the belief lab, which is my new program. It's going to be the overarching umbrella to everything. It's creating Mm. the belief lab. So that's going to be for corporate to belief lab for leaders. The beliefology method is the thing I'm teaching in the course, the belief lab. That's for anyone who wants to be in a small group and really dig do do some some deep work together where we shift believe create receive those are the four steps so we can really shift wow. your where you'll you'll go deeper on all the lessons I just all the concepts I just kind of mentioned here and more and yeah we're going to launch that in start the next cohort in January but I'm also putting a date on the books um, for early January for a workshop called the belief board. It's like a vision board, but not, but like deeper, like you have to shift your beliefs before you can put a thing on that board. So we're going to do that first. Ah. And it's called the belief board. And it incorporates a lot of um, my methodology in there. So that's going to be in the beginning. So I would just suggest that I don't know what, where we'll be when you release this, but just go to my website. You'll see Mm -hmm. there, you'll either hop on a wait list to get all the information for all of this, or you'll be able to sign up for those events as well. So 
go to JaninaDesso.com, start there, and uh, you'll you'll find out all the things you need to uh, know. Bring your shovel. Let's just start digging. Dig, <laughs> dig, dig for dig, the gold. Dig, dig yes. for it. Absolutely. So everybody, you're listening to this as we uh, turn the page to 2024 and all great things that are waiting for us there. You're not done. I'm just saying you're not done. The learning doesn't stop. And when you learn something new, you are a beginner. And with practice, you just hone your craft a little more and a little more. And we use the word work. You might be adverse to it. Call it what you want, but you just have to move. Take a forward step, action, something, and go for it because we're all worth it. Until next week, I want to hear comments on joyfoundhere.com. And what do I always say? I think this should be a 10-star review because this was amazing. And I'd love to see your comments on there too. Amazing year, crazy downloads. Thank you. They tell me these numbers mean something. I just love bringing you great, great people to share their wonderful stories and their knowledge. Until next week, be well. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Joy Found Here podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please share it with a friend. And of course, if you haven't already done so, subscribe, rate and review the show on your favorite podcast player. Don't forget to head over to joyfoundhere.com for any questions, comments and feedback. Until next week, keep your head up and your crown straight. You've got this.